You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. I want to challenge you to open your ears, open your heart, because I feel like God wants to challenge us and encourage us to go beyond what we know Christianity to be. Go beyond what life has been like to this point and believe and understand that with God, better days are yet ahead. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then in a couple of moments time, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. And I believe it's the greatest decision you could ever make, a decision to say yes to Jesus. Why? Because in the midst of darkness, you have hope. In the midst of confusion, you have an answer. In the midst of turmoil, you can turn to one who has all power, all ability to make a way where there was no way. And I believe in this morning, God wanting to do something significant in our lives. And uh, in, in my own life personally, yesterday we had a birthday party for little Bella who, turned, who is turning four on Tuesday. Can you believe that? Which is awesome. But little Cruz, the man child, he finally this week, finally at 17 months old, decided it's time to start walking. So that was a real victory. And he kind of, you know, the drunken walk. And he gets about six, seven, eight steps, and then he turns around, hey, and he celebrates his own life. So he's a really confident kid, but that's good. But if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of John, chapter 13. And we're in this series. Today is kind of wrapping up what we've titled this series as Heartbeat, really values that shape us. And if you're a part of life, you'll know that we believe God's given not just us as a church, but us as individuals a call to action to make a difference where we work, where we live, where we play sport, go to university, where we do life, people should be better because they come in contact with our lives. And, and we've had incredible values. The first week, Pastor Paul touched on people are our priority, that really if we don't have people at the center, at the core of who we are as Christians, we miss what Jesus came for. Then he went on to say, you know, one of our other values, week two, we talked about worship being our wisdom. That actually in everything we find ourselves in, whether good or bad, as we worship and give reverence, place God in authority, and use our wisdom in that, we will see Him come through in our own lives and our families' lives. And then last week talked about the importance of partnership being a privilege. I love that, that it's not something you just have to do, but it's a privilege to partner with God in what he has already declared in his word would take place that his kingdom would come here on earth through you and me. And then this morning, we're going to look at this fourth value known as servanthood is our spirit. Servanthood is our spirit. And Pastor Paul made these two statements that the core health of an individual or the core health of our church will determine its destiny. It will determine its destiny. He also said that effective change requires external agreement and internal alignment. So it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe in that externally. It's another thing to get our lives to a point where we align internally to God's word and what he has for us. And I love this value. Servanthood is our spirit because it doesn't just talk of the act, so to speak, of serving others but carrying it as a spirit in our lives. And we find this passage of Scripture in John 13, where Jesus has done some incredible things to date, and really he's at a point in the journey where he's on his way to the cross, so to speak. He's come back to his hometown, and people are still, even though they have seen him do miraculous things, are still 
not really convinced he is who he says he is. Anyway, he finds himself in this passage, John 13, verse 6, where he is washing the disciples' feet. And it says this, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. But when Jesus got to Simon Peter, I love this, when he got to Simon Peter, he objected and he said, I can't let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. Simon Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was, but Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. Watch this. Peter then looked at Jesus and said, you'll never wash my dirty feet. Like he didn't get it the first time. You know, I kind of resonate with this guy because it's like I need to be told a few times. You'll never wash my dirty feet. And he just wants to make it clear to Jesus himself, never. <laughs> but Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, Jesus speaking, then you will not be able to share life with me. So Peter, he wisens up. <laughs> so Peter says, well, Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and wash my head too. <laughs> Let's just do it all while we're at it. <laughs> Verse 10, and Jesus said to him, you are already clean. You've been washed completely. You just need your feet to be cleansed. But that can't be said of all of you, for Jesus knew which one was about to betray him. And that's why he told them that not all of them were clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table and asked this question. Do you understand what I just did? You've called me teacher, You've called me Lord, and you are right, for that is who I am. So if I'm your teacher, and if I'm your Lord, and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow this example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just done for you. Verse 16, he says, I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I have done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessing. If you want a life enriched with happiness and untold blessing, then Jesus himself says you need to do unto others what I have done to you. What a challenge that is. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge. Lord God, that it wouldn't just be something you say, but actually something you did to show us that a life of happiness, a life of fullness, a life of gratitude, a life of untold blessing would come our way when we decided not just to say we're hands and feet of Jesus, but actually serve and carry a spirit of servanthood. Father, I pray today that through your worship and through your word, you'd continually speak to us to minister to us, whether we're here for the very first time or we're a seasoned Christian. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us in a very real and relevant way. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. But this morning we ask that you would have your way in and through our lives. I pray this wouldn't just be another message I preach or we hear. But Lord God, you'd speak in and through me to each of us here in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said.
Amen. Have you ever had that moment where you say something and it's almost like it comes out slow and you can hear in your head, no. (laughs) I reckon that was what it was like for Peter, you know, like that revelation moment where he went from trying to tell Jesus, nah, mate, (laughs) not these feet, to realizing, no, I've got it wrong here. Uh, 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 and he reverses it and has this aha moment, so to speak, where we find, and it says, as we read, you know, you'll never wash these feet, never. (laughs) And he says it again, never. But if you don't allow me, Jesus says, to wash your feet, then you can't share in the life I have for you. And so then good old Simon Peter says, well, just, you know, give me the ice bucket challenge then. Just drop it all over me. (laughs) Just make me fully clean. And I believe today some of us need to capture a revelation that where we work is not by accident. Come on, the family we were born into, the universities we study at, the high schools we find ourselves in, on the sports teams we're a part of, in the shopping malls we roam, God is looking for men and women like you and I that would be not just Christians that come to church on Sunday and that be that. But we would carry a spirit of servanthood. God, I am out there looking for the dirtiest feet. (laughs) I'm out there looking for someone that feels like no one cares for them. I'm out there looking for someone that feels so high and mighty in themselves that I could break down the barrier to serve them. I'm looking for someone that I can make a difference through. Why? Because I believe... Our society is poised at a point where Christians, more than ever before, have an opportunity and a responsibility to stand in the gap and create a pathway for people to come and find the love of Christ. I don't know if you could put yourself in that story, but I'm pretty sure I would feel as as uncomfortable as Pete himself. Like, this is the guy that's just walked on water. (laughs) This is the guy that's just healed and seen a dead man rise. This is a guy that's done all of these things. The Lord and Savior that's been promised from many moons ago is in the midst, and now he's asking to wash my feet. No way, bro. That's awkward. You're God. I'm Pete. I'm Luke. I I get the dilemma Pete finds himself in, but for many of us, we need to realize that that was the role and the responsibility of who Jesus was for you and I. So we look at Jesus, rightly so, from a retrospective point of view and read of the countless miracles that took place. He was an incredible, incredible guy that changed humanity forever. But he came with an understanding, as we read, even right at the last moment before going to the cross, God, if there's any other way, hook a brother up, but not my will, yours be done. He lived with the servanthood spirit. He lived with a revelation. He was here for such a time as this. I love that he modeled this value. I love this is not just the value of our house. But as Christians, Jesus, through example, through this passage and many others, showed us a way to love those that maybe have never been loved the right way before. The Bible says in Matthew 9, verse 35 to 37, put in the Passion Translation. Jesus walked throughout the region with the joyful message of God's kingdom realm. He taught 
in their meeting houses and wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of disease and every kind of illness. When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and they seemed helpless, like wandering sheep without a shepherd. He turned to his disciples, capture this, and he said, the harvest is huge and it's ripe, but there is not enough harvesters to bring it all in. I read that and I have to ask myself, where I turn up and do life, do I live as Jesus lived and be moved with compassion of those that are yet to discover the love? Do I live seeing that there are so many more people in my family? There are so many more people, hopefully not in my workplace at church, but in the areas I turn up and have opportunity to be me in that are yet to discover the love of Christ and it goes beyond servanthood being seen as an act, but carrying it as a spirit to do whatever I can to serve those whom God loves that have yet to discover his love. Do I see as Jesus saw that the harvest, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of opportunity, but unfortunately, as Jesus said, there's not enough people saying, pick me, I'm in. Not enough people carrying servanthood as their spirit. But I believe there's too many people in our worlds that we know that are yet to discover God's love for us to not live out servanthood as our spirit. So this morning, I thought I'd take an opportunity to look at, I guess, three simple thoughts that I would deem are barriers to servanthood being our spirit. Because I want you to capture that servanthood's not just about doing something for someone else. But we're talking about the value servanthood is our spirit. Servanthood itself may be the act. But spirit talks of your and my disposition. Do I live a life that is lent towards serving others? Or do I just do it when I'm told to because I have to or there is a need presented? Because there is a very real difference. If servanthood is our spirit, then I believe there's always going to be opportunity for opposition to come. I think the enemy knows that if every Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christian lived out this value, this principle, that he would be completely doomed because we would have a society that's not me first, fighting over what we need to get to make sure we're okay, but we would have a society where everyone did something for someone else, that there would now ne never be need because everyone's got it covered. And so the first, I guess, barrier that I think we need to be aware of as Christians when we look at servanthood being our spirit is when faith accommodates fear. When your faith, when my faith accommodates fear. What is faith? Faith to me is having a confidence, living with a confidence in your God and yourself that you are in the right place at the right time designed with plans and purposes by God for such a time as this. Faith is actually believing to see something that you can't naturally see. Faith is walking into your workplace tomorrow morning 
and searching out that person that's walking with the limp. Listening out, taking the noise cancellation headphones off. Listening out for the cough. Who was that? Why? I'm going to go pray for them. I'm going to go in a faith mentality, not a fear mentality. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 4 to 6 says this. I love it. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. For our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, watch it, but the Spirit pours out life. Do you realize that we have a responsibility, not just an opportunity, a responsibility, where we work, where we live, where we do life, to serve others, that often is going to require us to remove fear from the equation. But I've found in my own life that it's not enough to be known that I'm called by God. It's not enough just to have seen great things. As the scripture earlier says, as Jesus came back into the hometown, people had seen the miracles, but it wasn't enough for them to believe. They still had skepticism. It's not enough in my own life just to rest on what God has done and hope fear evaporates out of the equation. But I've got to make a decision that when I live by faith, I can't allow it to accommodate my own fear. And so what does it look like for you and I when we're talking about servanthood being our spirit? When we're talking about living in confidence and in faith, it's about making a decision that even if my colleague doesn't get healed, I am still going to pray. Even if I haven't yet seen the healing in my family, I am still going to believe again. Even if my wayward child has not yet discovered Christ's love like I've been praying and believing for, I will have faith to believe that what is unseen will become seen. Why? Because you can have the confidence in the character of your God. We've got to be people that live with faith and not allow it to accommodate fear. I'll never, I'll never forget, as a 24-year-old, I turned 33 this coming May. As a 24-year-old, I had been married for six months to Melissa, and I remember a uh, calendar invitation appearing for me to go and see the boss. Pastor Paul would like to see you. How many know when you get that calendar appointment and there's no kind of title as to what the meeting's for, you're kind of a little bit worried. What, what have I done now? <laughs> but I remember walking in and he, he said, at 24 years old, he said, hey, um, I would love for you to consider with Melissa, uh, at the time I was looking after the new people, new Christians area of church, I'd love for you guys to consider going out and looking after our West Auckland campus. We had a West, West Auckland campus all those years ago, and I don't know how long you're going to be there for, but I do know you guys aren't going to be there as the pastors long term. And I said, okay, well, why? <laughs> why us? He's like, I think you'll do a great job, and I think 
it's the right thing. I said, well, what's happening to the pastors that are there? They feel like God's asked them to move to Australia and be a part of a church. And so all of that happened. I remember going home and talking to Melissa, and I remember saying something to the effect of, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think we can do this. I mean, we've only been married six months, and I'm 24 years old, and that's got like three, 400 people on a Sunday. Like, I don't know anyone out there. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and I remember coming back and saying to Dad, look, I... Pastor Paul, I'll do whatever you want. You know that, but to be honest, I'm pretty fearful. I, I think you made the wrong decision. <laughs> Much like Pete trying to tell Jesus how it was, I was trying to tell Pastor Paul how it was. <laughs> and he said, you know what? You need, you need to understand that if you feel it's in God, you're going to have many more opportunities for fear to be a part of the equation. But faith is the decision you need to make. If you believe it's right, and I believe it's right, then God will do the rest. And for eight months, we had an incredible time looking after those people and being out there every single Sunday. And really, it was a complete change of scenery. I was kind of in behind the scenes to that point, and now every Sunday, I was responsible to get up and run the service. And I had no idea, to be honest, how it would go or what I would do. And every Sunday, I had to make a decision to not allow fear to accommodate itself in my faith. The decision was born out of faith, not out of fear, but it doesn't mean that fear doesn't come knocking. What is it in your life, what is it in my life, that we need to identify as fear and leave it at the door, so to speak, and get back up again and say, you know what, I'm not going to allow the rejection of that person or the unhealing of that person or the failure of yesteryear to dictate to my faith stance when it comes to servanthood being our spirit. And I just jotted down here under when faith accommodates fear. Let's not be people that let our humanity unqualify what God has already declared qualified. You know, we talk ourselves out of it. I'm sure nothing surprises God, but he's probably up in heaven going, what the heck, man? <laughs> Come on, sis. <laughs> like, I've already sorted you. <laughs> I have qualified you. The Bible says that long before you and I could choose him, he chose us. So what the heck are we waiting for? <laughs> Our humanity can get in the way and cause us to live disqualified when God's already called us qualified. Not just when fear accommodates, sorry, when faith accommodates fear, but the second barrier, I think, is when opportunity is now seen as obligation. See, if you've been a Christian a little while, I just want to take a moment to talk to you. I've been a Christian since three years old, so <laughs> I'm 30 years deep into this thing. You know, it can be real easy just to have an obligation spirit of this is what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. And I find in my own life, the regulator stick is when it moves from the statement, do I get to, onto the other side of the spectrum, do I have to? Opportunity or obligation. See, Jesus lived his life in a way where he taught us every day, every moment is an opportunity. But if you're feeling, and at times I've felt this, that you feel like you're obliged to do something, I think we've missed the point. 
Servanthood will never become our spirit, our disposition. It will never become who we are if we see serving others as an obligation. This is why 80% of the church typically don't get off their backsides and do something. It's why 20% of the people do 80% of the work and 80% do the other 20% because they see it as a have to rather than a want to. They see it as an obligation. Oh, well, someone's got to do it, so I guess I'll do it. Versus I've got an opportunity, as we heard last week, to partner with Christ to see something like we've never seen take place before. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man, I love this, did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone. And to give, watch it, his life as the ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many. Jesus himself got trod on, spat on, beaten up. No one believed him, so to speak. He came and saw his mission complete, so to speak, because every day was lived as an opportunity, not an obligation. Oh, there were moments, as we've read, where, hey, God, you know, this is not cool. (laughs) Probably love a different life right now. (laughs) Like, God's not worried about our stuff, our humanity. Yet, I don't think God can work as effectively through us if we live obligated as Christians rather than live with the spark of opportunity as Jesus did. He was able to come and serve others and not be served by others because of, as it says, his revelation of his life being laid down was an exchange moment for salvation of many. Could your family, could your workplace, could our church be different if all of us carried servanthood as our spirit, realizing every opportunity God places in front of us? But I know in my own life it gets far too easy to say, do I have to do that? What is it I have to do? Versus what is it I get to do? What's the opportunity in front of me? Life's going to be busy. Let's just all accept that. Rubber stamp it and move on. (laughs) So in the busyness of life, how do I get my spirit to a place where I'm happy to wash other people's feet? How did Jesus get to a place he knew out of revelation? Not out of a preacher telling, not out of circumstantial approval. He knew at the core of who he was that his life was meant for much more than himself. Therefore, because of what he knew, everything was opportunity, not obligation. Let's be people that don't let our excitement give way to a posture of expectation. If you're new to Christianity, you're probably loving life right now. Just give it a few months and you'll realize everyone's human around here. <laughs> when you first become a Christian, everything's woohoo and everything's oh my gosh, woohoo, oh my gosh. The longer you do life in any sphere of life, and it moves from woohoo, uh-oh, woohoo, uh-oh, to <laughs> there's a normality that comes. And in the normality, if we're not careful, in the familiarity, the excitement 
gives way to expectation. What does what it I have to do again? <laughs> what time did I need to turn up for this thing? <laughs> Versus coming in, man, I cannot wait to make a difference. I've said this before, but I've got one uncle in particular that's very positive all the time. And I'm not like that, so it really annoys me. <laughs> but every time I get around him, it does not matter what season, and I've known a little bit of his story, he's gone through some pretty big challenges on certain things. I don't know how or why, but he is always looking at the glass half full. He's excited because he lives opportunity. Every day, every moment is an opportunity to enrich someone else's life. Not, what do I have to do again? <laughs> opportunity or obligation. Servanthood will be our spirit when we live opportunity-focused, not obligation-focused. And third and finally, I think the biggest barrier that certainly I've learned to, I guess, walk people through is this idea, this thought, when purpose encounters pain. We just heard that next steps is set up, designed for all of us to discover our purpose in life. Why? Because the moment you live purposed is the moment you live fulfilled. It doesn't mean all the bad stuff goes away or the busyness just dissipates, but you now have a reason to get up in the morning. But it doesn't take long for you and I to be living on purpose for us to encounter pain. Someone says something. Someone doesn't say something. (laughs) Something happens unexpectedly, something happens expectedly. Whatever it may be, there is always this thing known as pain in this equation of what we call life. Every moment a human being gets up, there is an opportunity for pain to come. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. There are many people, if not all New Zealanders, living with some angst of pain because of the recent events that have taken place. But we've got to allow our purpose to be the driver over the pain. But the barrier is when purpose encounters pain because you and I have to make a decision. Will this pain derail my purpose? Or will this pain fuel my purpose? What do I mean by that? Well, the book of Romans chapter 5 puts it this way. Romans 5 verse 1 to five. I'm sure you've heard the scripture before if you've been in church a little while. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into his marvelous kindness that has given us a chance Sorry, given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating, as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Watch this. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, even in pain, in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patiently. Endurance and patient endurance, watch it, will refine our character and proven character. What does it do? It leads us back to hope. We start with hope because of purpose, we encounter pain through the process, we get led back to hope. And this hope, watch it, 
is not disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The pain develops in you and I a new revelation of God's endless love. I'm here to tell you if you're in pain right now, you're about to discover the endless love of Christ to a new level you haven't seen before. But I don't see it right now, Luke. No, you may not see it right now, but the purpose being your priority causes the pain to now fuel you to go to a new level. I love meeting people that have refused to say no in amidst their trial, to pursue God with all they have because they come out on the other side, as it said, with this joyous celebration. But not only that, a new understanding and an ability to serve people like they've never been able to. Hey, you know what? I was, that, I was in that place once. But I can declare that you can make it through because I saw it myself. See, that is far more powerful, a personal testimony, than a podcast from a Sunday message. The moment you go through the pain because of the purpose you see in Christ is the moment you now have not only a new experience and a development of character, but the ability to serve other people like you've never, ever served before. Your greatest influence, my greatest influence, may be revealed in generations to come. You may be someone that works in the kids' ministry or is on the soup kitchen team, and your influence may not be directly seen by yourself, but the children of those children or the family and community of those people will tell one day of the goodness of God. Why? Because someone didn't just serve out of, oh, I need to do it. Didn't just shy away because it cost them something. There was pain attached, but served as this value puts it with spirit. <laughs> that servanthood was their spirit. And in that moment, the generations will tell that there is a good God. You know, you would have to argue that David in the Bible, who was a great king, served God, made many mistakes along the way, but did great things for the nation he served, for the nations he led, that David had a pretty cool testimony. I would have to argue, though, that that was not his greatest influence, being king. I'd have to argue that these words he penned on paper known as the Psalms, in the moment probably just felt like he didn't know what else to do. So in the moment, he just felt like he was journaling, but generation after generation after generation, we still live and are directed and guided by the words penned that in a moment probably didn't seem that significant. But you'd have to argue have greater influence and impact on the billions around the world today because of his commitment to stay on purpose through the pain of the things that took place. I love what B-Rad said once, Pastor B-Rad on one of the Vision Sundays, on the other side of my obedience is someone else's miracle. I believe our workplaces, our families, our high schools, our universities could be so vastly different if all of us 
Removed self for a moment, so to speak. Remove the disqualification of what you're living with right now or what it once was or the fear of what it might be and say, God, I'm choosing that I would live as servanthood being my spirit. My disposition is to serve others. Whose feet is it today, Jesus? Who is it that you're asking me to go a little bit further or outside of my comfort zone than I would be? And I I believe this house will be too small to contain. (laughs) The outpouring of people coming in to be a part of something that they can't get anywhere else because servanthood leads people into who Jesus is. And as I close, it says in Acts 20, verse 32 to 36, And so now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of His grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of His grace, which He provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all by His holy ones. I haven't been after your money or any of your possessions. You all know that I've worked with my hands to meet my own needs and the needs of those who have served me, I've left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus who taught, giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. Giving of yourself will return, as we read right at the beginning, untold blessings, a joyous expectation a life beyond your wildest dreams because it's far better to give than receive. Let's this week, let's this month, let's this year be Christians that say, you know what, I'm going to do as Jesus did. And no matter what part of stature I may have or may not have, I have got the ability to serve those around me. Why? To see their lives come into contact with a loving God and see in this day and in this age, something that's never been seen before. The moment you say, hey, can I do this for you, is the moment you get a real reaction straight away. <laughs> what, what do you mean, can I do this for you? What do you mean you paid for my coffee? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Because it's so countercultural to this day and age that you now have an opportunity to make a difference in someone's world as Jesus did does and will always do. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.